0: And thanks for hitting the snooze button. My name's Neil Headley. I was prepared to write off a literal lifelong battle with insomnia to just being part of the gig for doing more than 30 years of television and radio in the mornings. Well, when I dug a little bit deeper, it turned out I had a lot more to learn. So in this series, we're gonna fix your sleep by figuring out why mine is so horribly broken and maybe we can stumble upon some answers together. We're gonna get some help this week from a couple of friends. One, a Broadway star who played Carol King in beautiful the carol king musical we're going to talk to shalina kennedy in just a little while and find out how she possibly could fall asleep the night before her big broadway opening when for all she knew carol king was going to be in the audience we'll get into that michael grandner dr michael grandner from the university of arizona will be here as well to kind of dissect shalina's sleep hack and talk about whether or not it's based on sound scientific principles and we'll dig into that a little bit as well plenty to come we'll give you a preview of next week's episode as well but first let's get to this week's Betitorial Betitorial this week has no script Last week's did. In fact, if you look really closely at the video for last week's editorial, you'll be able to see where my eyes every once in a while dart down to the teleprompter so that I don't lose track of where I am. There's no script this week because frankly, the subject matter has me so enraged that I think I can just go off the cuff and be able to form some coherent sentences on this. It's an open letter. Don't worry. It's not going to be one of those. Op- Remember when open letters were a thing? And if you hadn't put out an open letter in sometime in the last 12 hours, you were obviously missing the social media boat. Everybody and their uncle was sending an open letter to somebody. Thankfully, open letters went away. But I'm going to bring them back for this week for this purpose. Dear Media... Stop lying to people about sleep. Stop writing about sleep. Stop talking about sleep. Unless you've actually done some research and kind of have half of a clue what you're talking about because the way that you're writing about it and covering it right now is quite possibly putting people in danger. I got a note from, and, and either danger or just plain misleading people in the name of having people click on your affiliate link and maybe stuffing a couple of extra bucks in your company's pocket. Look, I got a note from a tech website that I used to have a great deal of respect for, but when it comes to the sleep world, respect is a very slippery slope for me and you can lose my respect like that. And so what they did was they sent me a link with their guy who writes a column on how to save money on stuff. And he scans the web for things that are on sale and really cool bargains. And it's a really great column until the week came up where he promoted a white noise machine that was on sale, a great white noise machine that would guarantee me a great night's sleep. (sighs) Dude, go read the research on white noise machines before you guarantee me a great night's sleep just because you wanna put it in your column. If there was one thing out there in the world that would guarantee people a good night's sleep, Don't you think we would have eradicated insomnia by now? And yet a third of the people on the planet have sleep disorders or chronic sleep problems. So maybe that guarantee is a little bit flimsy and maybe you should think about how you write your column. I corrected somebody on Twitter this week. If you follow us on Twitter, the handle get your snooze on whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I would say Instagram but our Instagram game is so weak we just we need to find and maybe hire a person to do our Instagram stuff for us. get in touch feedback at the snoozebutton.com if you think you can help us with our Instagram stuff but we had to correct some people a couple of times on our Twitter feed last week one of them was and forgive me if I get this wrong but the Brisbane Times, I think jumps out at me because they had posted a piece about an organization, a group of people that call themselves the 530 Club. And they get up early and they get together at 530 and they get a bunch of stuff done before the sun's even up and they feel like it contributes to having a really productive day. Nowhere in the article does it discuss their sleep habits. It doesn't talk about what time these people go to sleep in order to be able to get up and function properly at 5:30. But the headline on the article shun sleep for better performance. Shun sleep. Wait a minute. Should I introduce you to my friend, Dr. Adrian Owen, who was on the first episode, not only the first episode of season two, but also our first guest in season one, who did a massive study that talks about how people who shun sleep take a performance hit in their cognitive performance and are performing at the same level as someone whose brain is 10 years older than theirs? Come on, if we're gonna write about sleep, if we're gonna talk about sleep, if we're gonna do all these different things about sleep, if you're not going to research every single aspect of it and talk to an expert about it, please look some things up Google some things. Somebody else posted a great article and it had the potential to be a great article about a terrific study that they didn't bother linking to so that we could go and look at the study ourselves and see if the data made sense. The data matters. And it was one of those things where I thought that by waking up at three o'clock in the morning for 30 years as I did, I thought I knew a little bit of stuff about sleep until I started doing this show and talking to experts and if you've been with the show for any length of time you know that every single week we're talking to the leading experts on sleep and the leading researchers from all over the world I had no idea how little I knew about sleep until I started paying attention to people who actually do and it changed everything about the way I talk about sleep, it changed everything about the way I relate to other people the importance of sleep so come on media let's stop phoning it in Let's give a rat's ass and get the science part right before we start doing clickbait headlines and affiliate links to white noise machines, okay? (sighs) Okay, so, Shalina Kennedy, you are gonna get the very first, same first question that everybody who's ever been on the show and everybody who ever has been or will be on the show will always get, and it goes like this. How did you sleep last night?
1: (gasps) I slept very well last night.
0: Ooh. What's very well for you look like?
1: Very well, for me, means that I don't fall asleep in front of a screen or with any device. Um, I fall asleep without any kind of anxiety, I don't worry about falling asleep, I just fall asleep naturally, and I get up when my body is ready to get up, so that means without an alarm.
0: That's textbook. Okay. Well, thanks for coming. (laughs) We're done here. Uh, No. I got nothing left to ask you about. Um, okay, so we're going to get into what happens on nights maybe when that doesn't crop up for you. But we got some catching up to do because I haven't seen you uh, at least since before the pandemic started. In fact, I think the last time I saw you, we were having a conversation about what was next on your plate after being Carol King for such a very long time in right, Beautiful, yes. the Carol King musical. So, yeah. give me the update on the update, and then for everybody else as well, what are you what are you working on?
1: You're so sweet. Well, all the things I was working on, all those projects were either cancelled or postponed, <laughs> so, you yeah. know, I, um, I mean, I think it's okay for me to say I was supposed to be doing Les Mis in Toronto all summer, last summer, which would have been fantastic. Um, you know, there's a bunch of other things I was working on, an off-Broadway show um, that was supposed to be happening. Anyway, and it's okay. Everybody lost so many things during this time. I think it's just a matter of like, okay, what can we make out of this time? I've Fortunately, I've got a theater company, a not-for-profit theater company in Toronto called Eclipse Theater Company. So we are very, very busy working on things, trying to find opportunities for people right now because there's not a lot of work to go around. So we're trying to create that, that work or be part of creating that work. Um, Uh, I've also written a show, I've written a musical called Call It Love with a wonderful writer named Eric Holmes, who's one of the writers on The Good Fight. Um, He's an American writer, so the two of us have teamed up and we're working on a show and there's a lot of creative projects. You know, I I did um, a symphony gig uh, and I've, you know, done a few uh, filmed projects. So it's been fun. It's been busy um, and thank goodness it's been busy. I feel very, very lucky. And I think part of it is just that artists now need to be... Thinking outside the box, you know, and and whether or not it brings money in, I think just being creatively fulfilled is important right now.
0: Every time I see one of those videos pop up where it's a bunch of actors, actresses, singers, etc., doing some kind of amazing split screen zoom thing that they've all put together remotely, I always sit there glued to it to see where Shalina, where's Shalina? oh, there she is, and, you know, and you're always in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is always fun to, to do and, and fun to look at. Talk to me about that whole community because you talk about how everybody lost something and, and you know, you and I are having a conversation. It's the morning after President Biden announced that everybody who uh, wants a vaccination is going to be able to, you know, get in line starting May the 1st. And he put out sort of a, a line in the sand last night that said, we're hoping to, you know, by the 4th of July... You'll be able to have the cookout with your family and maybe even your extended family again. So, you know, people are circling those dates on the calendar. So, for people who do what you do for a living, talk to me about what this last year plus has been like. Like the last time you were on a stage, did you know that night that it was going to be the last time you were on a stage for a while?
1: No, I had no idea. And ironically, Um, I took a little bit of time between the band's visit and Les Mis so that I could spend time at home with my son. I was like, this will be a great little break, I'll take a couple months, (laughs) and then the pandemic hit. So, you know, I've been fortunate enough to do, there's a a thing that Stratford is doing called um, Up Close and Musical. And so we were able to go in and be filmed on the actual festival stage. Um, by a film crew, and of course everybody was distanced and it was all very safe, but I I started weeping. As soon as I walked into the building and I walked up the stairs, I mean I get emotional just talking about it, but being on an actual stage and singing in an actual theater, like I, I think I'd forgotten how much I missed it. I think I'd forgotten, or maybe I'd never realized how much it meant to me. Um, it's different than doing it on screen or doing it in the park or doing it in someone's living room. I mean it's those those stages were were built for the purposes of people gathering and breathing together and having an audience and having a shared communal experience so it, it's very special and nothing can replace it and it's funny like you know somebody in in New York said I probably should remember who said this but anyway it, there is a word for filming. Uh, art and putting it on the screen and it's called film and TV <laughs> so the fact that as theater we're trying to do it you know on zoom is a little bit bizarre and it's good it's a good placement holder until it comes back
0: it but was it interesting replace it was interesting when um, uh, Lynn manuel Miranda's production showed up on whatever streaming service that was of Hamilton because I think for a lot of people that made everybody sit back and go oh wait a minute Maybe we can do stuff like this after all. But then I didn't see a whole ton of big productions come out after Hamilton did. And I I forget, it was it Disney Plus or whatever streaming service that that showed up on? But what I did take heart in, and I almost got choked up. I watched some video of the first night in Melbourne, Australia, that Come From Away was back on stage. And Come From Away was kind of the first one. And got all choked up watching them because... I did too! yeah. So tell me, I mean, it meant something obviously totally different for me, for you than it meant for me. So talk to me about the impact for you.
1: Well, I don't. I mean, it was just it was what I sort of described before. It was just that oh yeah, you know, like if we're careful. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a few different things. It's that I don't think we realize how precious things are, or time is, or experiences are until we lose them. I mean, and, and those of us who have kids, we know how fast time goes by because we see it in our children, right? So. But it's like, you know, people keep posting pictures of like, oh, had I known, you know, this time a year ago, this is my last time on the deck or, you know, the last time singing this song. You know, I, I just think it. it um, we are learning how to appreciate things on a, on a much deeper level now. So I think, yeah, seeing the first time that it comes back is obviously going to be very moving for so many different reasons.
0: Is performing for you, because I've talked to people mostly stand-up comics or, you know, um, musicians, players, drummers, whatever, um, who talk about performing sometimes being this muscle that you have to find a way to, even if you're not on stage for a while, that you have to find ways to keep that muscle finely tuned. Are you one of those people? And if you are, what are you doing?
1: yeah I, I do have to keep it finely tuned <laughs> and so there's so many muscles right the the vocal muscle the the acting muscle just even the you know the confidence muscle remembering oh yeah I, I know how to do this I know how to walk into a room I know how to um, trust myself you know I know how to trust my instincts those things you, you need to keep reminding yourself that you know how to do that to so that you can allow your artistry to be at the forefront of your experience not your voice that's you know analyzing what you're doing so you know, I'm trying to sing as much as possible. I've got a concert coming up um, for the Regent on the 20th, you know, so I'm I'm trying to sing every day. I'm, I'm um, also trying to stay inspired. So watching things, you know, watching online concerts, watching whatever I can get my hands on uh, just to remind myself of the world. And, oh, yeah, this used to be my every day. Is
0: there something positive that you've taken away from all of this while all of this COVID has been going on?
1: So many things. Um, time with my child, um, a time to reevaluate. And that's Henry. Henry's going to be what? Like seven
0: this summer, right?
1: Uh, In September, yeah, he'll be seven. So he's six right now. And he's, you know, I also learn a lot from the kids. You know, like these kids are going through so much right now. And I'm just continually inspired by their attitudes and how resilient they are and how they don't complain about the stuff that adults are complaining about half the time. And I mean, we're potted with three other, or two other families. And so there's these, Three only children, uh, and all of the other parents are actors as well. And you know, the, the kids are doing online school together. So we feel it's safer than sending them to school, um, but they also get the socialization of being together. So you know, the time that we've been able to spend together, and the time that I've been able to really be hands on with his education and his day to day, that's been time I, I, you know I I can never get back. And the time I've had in my garden, or, you know, I spent the last five years in New York, and so it's it's fun to be able to, like, be in my home again and planting vegetables and saying hi to my neighbors and taking walks around the river. Like, the thing, you know, you can't put a price on those things. And I think I've also had time to reevaluate not only everything our our culture is going through and, and you know, the political things and the, you know, the... Um, Systemic issues that are going on. Like we've had time to dig into those things, and also to reflect on what we need in life. Like, d- do I need as much of a salary as I thought I did, or hmm. can I actually live comfortably and happily on something less than that, provided I have all of these other things that fill me spiritually and emotionally? You know, like right? Because your
0: definition of of happy changes, I think, for a lot of people when they. I mean, it was one of the interesting yeah. things that I've I've been hearing talk about lately when people talk about the mental health impact of all of this where even just the most basic of things that we used to rely on to sort of prop us up the the friend that we could get together with when we were down or any of those kind of things those are all gone and all the fun things for recreation that we used to do in groups of people those have been gone for ages and so we've all been put into this weird place where we have to figure out how to pivot and You know a lot of us were were barely figuring it out to begin with when we had a whole ton of people around us never mind when all that's been stripped away so I'm I'm excited for when it's all over I mean I'm excited when we can go back out and see live entertainment again and when we can see theater again and all those different kinds of things even when we can just go and sit around a table with friends you know the the pre-show ritual which obviously is completely different for the people on stage than it is for the people in the chairs but you know there is that pre-show thing of, of pick which restaurant you're going to go to. And you all get there about an hour and a half before curtain and you yes. sit and laugh and do all the stuff that you, it's, it's part of the show, you know, it's a yeah. whole part of that experience. It's even that's just, that's gone. Like I would even, I would even be happy just to be able to sit around a table with people again. So yeah. Yeah. hopefully we get well, and there I think soon. when we
1: do go, and I think when we do go back, we're not going back so much as we're, we're, we're going to move forward with all of these deeper appreciations for yeah something as simple as just sitting across from somebody that you love. I mean, you know, because it, it's, I don't think we realize how deeply this has affected every single one of us. And, you know, this pandemic, especially for our industry, the performance art, uh, the performing arts, is has been the, the biggest leveler. Like, it's just leveled the playing field. And I think we're going to see a lot of generosity moving forward that, you know, we're all in this together. We remind ourselves that, you know, we, we've we all been kind of at the same level with not a lot coming in for the last year. And so I think that that is going to affect the way we treat each other in the workplace, the way, way that we share the wealth moving forward. I mean, I hope I, uh, that's what I'm sensing yeah. anyway.
0: Fingers crossed. Yeah. Talk yeah. to me about, um, Let's let's get into the performance side of things. And I'm kind of I'm working my way down down a path here and I think you know where I'm going to go eventually but talk to me about because I want to go back to Beautiful for a second because it's one of a million things if you haven't You know if beautiful was the first time you paid attention to who Shalina was and I'm sure that by virtue of being on a stage in New York You know there were people who were discovering you for the first time probably tons of them Um, But you've got this great resume But I want to talk about the Carol King musical in particular because I want to get to the bottom of is it harder to play as an actor a Fictitious character or harder to play a person who actually exists
1: Hmm. This is a great question I find it more difficult to play somebody who actually exists, um, especially somebody who's as loved and you know idolized as Carole King. You know, you've got people all over the world, but especially in the United States, who they know her music inside and out. I mean, they know who she is. They know the sound of her voice. They know the spirit of her and her songwriting in such an intimate way and you know that album tapestry was a a huge part of people's lives like you know the stories i would hear at the stage door like oh this is the song that i listened to when you know my best friend and i were taking a road trip across you know or i wore out two copies of the record and so i had to buy a third one or you know would you sign this third one that i have you know it was just amazing so yes the pressure that goes along with that not just from other people or you know the outside world but for myself I mean I was a huge Carol King fan I am a huge Carol King fan and I don't think I realized what a big fan I was until I started digging into how many of the songs that I loved she actually wrote you know let alone performed so there is a ton of pressure and you know and I wanted to do her justice like she's a she's an incredibly glass half full positive generous person and so I just thought oh gosh if I can embody even you know a, a portion of who she was I'll be doing a good job. So What's well, yeah, interesting
0: there's, you there's bring up the how many she wrote versus how many she performed right because she's already in the rock and roll Hall of Fame as a writer and now there's Carol King going into the rock and roll Hall of Fame as a performer. So there is yeah. that whole appreciating the other side of her catalog thing that's that's very present for people. So yeah. I'm told and I think it's you that told me this actually years ago that Carol had a habit of periodically showing up in the audience unannounced at various, per- did, did you have that experience?
1: I did. Yeah, I figured I almost had a heart attack because she, she emailed me before my first, or no, uh, no, after my first performance, I believe. I think I started previews. And so I, I looked at my email and there was a, an email from Carol Dash. And I was like, oh, I don't have any friends named Carol. Oh my God, it's Carol King. <laughs> and she said, you know, Dear Miss, you know, uh, dear Shalina, I you know I hear you're doing great in the show. I'm going to come and see you. Do you want to know when I'm coming? <laughs> I wrote back, dear Miss King please do not tell me when you're coming because I will literally fall over. I, like I've just, I would be too nervous. <laughs> so she wrote back and she laughed. She was like, okay, I'll, I'll come and see us at a time TBD, but it'll be sometime in April or whatever. So I knew she was coming at some point that month, but I didn't know when exactly. And there was a big joke in the cast that like every time there was a commotion in the audience, they'd be like, it's Carol, she's here. And I would, you know, I'd get all nervous and flip out. Didn't anyway, know in advance though. No, I did not want to know in advance, just because I think, you know, it just took me out of the moment. There's already so much pressure, and, you know, the pressure of the night, or however you're feeling that day, or whatever you might be going through, that you just want to have all of the energy possible to just focus on the work. Just, like, outside distractions are not helpful. Like, who might be in the audience? Like, we used to have people showing up all the time, like you know, like Paul McCartney Paul McCartney came to see the show. And so like knowing he's out there is going to affect me. And so I think, you know, anytime there was any celebrity in the audience, I would just say, please don't let me know. I just want to do my show. So anyway, she shows up and she's in a wig and glasses and the producers, intru- uh, the producers introduce her as one of their grandmothers or something. And then she walked in and like the wig comes off and the glasses go off and it's like, it's Carol. <laughs> and it was one of the most exciting moments. It was just such a fun way, you know, to meet her.
0: So, okay, so taking you out of the moment and all the additional pressure that would have come from just knowing that she was going to be there, I want to go back to the night before your opening night as Carol King, at least on Broadway. Um, talk to me about that night. I mean, you, you're, you're on stage. You are the star of what is one of the biggest shows in the world on Broadway tomorrow night. So tonight is the night before that night. How on earth did you possibly fall asleep that night?
1: That's a very good question. So they were, the producers were kind to me and they eased me into the show. So my opening night, uh was not something I advertised to my family and friends, like I didn't want a huge group of people there. And what they actually gave me was a matinee to start, which felt like a really kind way to ease me into the run. <laughs> so it wasn't right. like a big Saturday night. And they did this specifically, you know, to make it as, as easy a transition as possible. Um, they also, um, because Jessica Keenan Wynn was also going into the show with Cynthia. So what they did was they allowed me to open first and then they allowed her to open afterwards so that we weren't both doing it on the same night. So there was a lot of calm on the stage with me on that matinee performance. Um, And then as a result, I was able to be really grounded and calm for Jessica when she made her debut. So I, I think the night before the performance, you know, obviously I was battling nerves. And for me, you know, being in the present moment helps me enormously I mean it helps me with my acting it also helps me to sleep or to get over whatever I'm getting over and I think if I can just remember that I'm here right now and that tomorrow doesn't happen until tomorrow and worrying about it now isn't going to change anything you know I mean people tell themselves that and it works or it doesn't work but for me it does work if I really believe it and so I just keep telling my, myself that over and over and over again and I just go through the same routine that I always do like I think if I'd made a big deal about it and you know done like a face mask and done a whole different routine, I might not have been able to sleep, but I think because I treated it like just any other night, I think that was helpful for me.
0: Do you have a thing you do when that doesn't work? Is there a go-to that you fall on when getting grounded and all of that doesn't work for you?
1: Yes, and I'm glad you're asking me because when I was a kid, I used to have a really hard time sleeping. And I use this this trick on um, on the kids because they often do sleepovers and one of the kids actually has trouble falling asleep. And, you know, sometimes for her or for me, you know, it used to be noise or worries that I had. And and so I'll just, first of all, what I'll do, and I didn't know this when I was a kid, so I couldn't use this as a, a tool, but now I do, that I'll ju- I won't put any pressure on myself if I can't sleep. Like, I just go, okay, I can't sleep. No problem. Like, easy. Like, my body will fall asleep when it's supposed to fall asleep, and I will do something else. I'll read a book. I'll do something else I'm excited about or that I'm not something that energizes me, but something that I like to do. Like, I'll... Read a book that's not too exciting, but something that I'm interested in, you know, Um, or I will go through my body and I'll take myself through this journey, which is what I do with the kids. I take them on an adventure and I'll use this very, very slow, methodic voice and everything kind of is very. And I'll sort of do these boring descriptions of the path and, (laughs) you know what I mean? And eventually they're asleep in like two seconds. But I'll do that with myself. Like I'll take myself on a little journey, like I'll start outside my cabin, I'll go down the forest trail and I'll go through my body and I'll think about relaxing, you know, all the different areas where I'm holding stress. And it just works for me.
0: Wow. Okay. I see now Mm -hmm. I have to try, I'm building this list. You know, we've talked about this. I'm building this list of of different things that people do when they get, now your thing of get up and read a book or any of those kind of things. um, So many of the, and this may be good to know, this may... Help validate some things for you. Uh, so many of the sleep experts and scientists who study sleep for a living Have been on this show before talking about how um, You know the, the one that jumps to mind in particular is dr. Linnell Schneeberg She runs the sleep clinic at Connecticut Children's Medical Center. She's also an associate professor at Yale. So, you know kind of knows some stuff she probably knows what she's talking about. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> yeah. Um, talks about how one of the best things that you can do and it's the thing that she does. She says the best sleep hack there is out there is a is a book and a book light. And oh, and wow. not a book that will excite you or, you know, a book with car chases or whatever in it something that you will you know something that you're not so invested in that you can't put the book down it's just there's even a person who's been a guest on this show before she has an entire it's this massively popular podcast with millions of listeners called boring books for bedtime and she will do basically your hack that you used with the kids of she will take just some random piece of not very interesting literature like she will read the instructions on a a vaporizer or something like and she'll read them in this very boring delivery and that's the whole gig and yet people are riveted to this lady so what you're doing is working is henry a good sleeper has he always been a good sleeper
1: he's a fantastic sleeper yeah how did that happen I, i don't know i mean i think I think part of what used to keep me awake as a kid was stress. And so I you know, we really try to keep bedtime uh, soothing and relaxed and no pressure. You know, ever since he was a little kid it'd be like bath time. We'd turn off any screens long before he gets to bed. Like I'm finding with the other kids too, like turning off the TV. Turning off anything that might you know, and if they're distracted like the other night, I was trying to put them the, all uh, or two of them to bed, actually, and all the adults were, you know, talking in the other room. And I said, um, you know, and one of them said, well, you know, the voices are distracting me. And I said, you know what? And again, in the voice, when I was a kid, um, you know, my parents used to have parties because they were military. And I used to love the sound of the voices. It would make me feel safe and secure. And I would just go into like how it would make me feel. And I could see her eyes were getting heavy. <laughs> and I mean... Yeah, um, keeping it relaxed and finding the sort of relaxed, easy, positive way through, especially around bedtime. No arguments at bedtime. You know, oh, I really want to. Yeah, yeah, we can do that tomorrow. No problem. No problem. Just keeping it easy and relaxed.
0: I unfortunately don't have access to um, a couple of minutes of you reading something with an incredibly boring delivery, so I'm just going to have to <laughs> pretend. I'm going to have to hear your voice in my head. Although normally I'm I'm accustomed to hearing your voice and you singing songs and whatnot, and just being, you know, just completely riveted to whatever it is you're doing. So it may completely defeat the purpose. But now I have marching orders for for an experiment going forward. Um, I can't see you on a stage again nearly soon enough. So do me a favor. Let me know when you know when that's going to happen and and we'll make sure that we put the word out as best we can too shalina thanks for making room for this
1: so sweet thank you thank you for having me i really appreciate it. it's nice to see you again
0: nice to see you thanks for being had (laughs) yeah Okay, coming up in just a second, we're gonna to get to Dr. Michael Grandner from the University of Arizona, talking about everything Shalina just said, and we'll get into that in just a second. First, I want to remind you very quickly, and don't worry, this won't take near as long as it did in last week's episode. Uh, if you are a person who needs a place to put a website, if you're looking for web hosting, there's a million different ways you can do it wrong. I'm gonna make a recommendation to you. Uh, use the same company that we do. We, for all of our projects, for all of the projects that I'm involved in and I'm involved in about half a dozen different website projects right now. We use the same company for every single thing. It's step one in every website project I get involved in. It's book the web hosting through a company called Nexcess. But before you go to Nexcess, let me offer you a deal. If you instead go to neilsentme.com, neilsentme.com, and when you sign up there, for Nexus, and you use the coupon code build now, it will save you 25% on your first three months. So again, neilsentme.com. You'll be using the same web infrastructure that we count on every single day. And I tell you what, this past week, it came up very, very handy because we were under what they call one of those denial of service attacks where hackers just flood your server with a whole pile of just garbage information trying to block other people from getting to your website. My friends at NexS had it fixed within about three or four minutes they were that good. It's nice to have a company and they were the ones that let me know that something was wrong. It's great when you have a company behind you that cares about what you're doing. NeilSentMe.com. Excited to have him back for this episode of the Snooze Button. Um, It's Dr. Michael Granner, the Director of the Sleep and Health Research Program at the University of Arizona and a person that if I'm being completely honest, I'm kind of mad at today. <laughs> uh oh, because I understand that you're somehow involved in ice cream, and I, I, I thought we were friends, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the my 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 adventures in ice cream. So night food. Um, it's it. There's a company that makes sleep friendly ice cream. What is sleep
0: friendly ice? Yeah, cream? Yeah, and so
2: I've I've been helping them for the last few years. Um, so the idea. So the idea was this. So this the the guy who runs this company. Like, tell me,
0: wait, wait, tell me you didn't take, like, a, a pint of Baskin-Robbins and just jam it full of melatonin.
2: Please tell me you didn't do that. Oh, no, you know me better than that. Okay, good, uh, all right. No, good. no, no, there's no no, no melatonin. Um, no, God. so the idea was this. So there's this guy who, who, he was someone who snacked at night, I guess, and was reading about how, you know, snacking at night is bad for you. Sure. and. And he's like, well, I wonder, like, so what snacks should I have at night? So he goes to the store and doesn't see anything. That's like, well, why isn't there a line of snacks for nighttime? That's when people are snacking. Yeah. And so he's like, I don't know, maybe I'll make something. And so um, he he created this company that made it called it called Night Food and um, and made these like bars that that you know you could sometimes find in stores that were um, the idea was. The idea behind behind the product was um, well if you're going to be the best nighttime snack maybe is no nighttime snack but sure. if you're going to be doing it anyway, is there something that's better than just reaching for something that's unhealthy because you don't want high fat, high sugar foods at night. Um, and so he, he developed this, the, the, first, the first product here and that helped kind of set the stage for what came next which was the ice cream. And the idea is that most people eat ice cream at night. And ice cream is kind of like the one thing people want at night because it satisfies the craving. Yep. But it's actually not good at night because it's high fat, high sugar, uh, and, and can sometimes have all kinds of other additives and stuff. It like, gives well, your body way too many
0: things to do while you're trying to have it fall asleep.
2: Right. And yep. so he's like, what if we could help make an ice cream that people would eat at night because that's what people want it, but it got out of the way of sleep? Like it didn't load you up with lots of fats and sugar and didn't have like the sugar alcohols and stuff that could make you, give you some upset stomach or anything that could keep you up in any way that wouldn't give you reflux or whatever for most people. I mean, obviously you can't do anything for anybody, but for everybody, but that got out of the way. And he's like, you know, so he asked me, hey, you know about sleep and nutrition stuff. Um, Can you help me formulate this? Make sure we get the right ingredients. Make sure that we're doing this right. Um, and make sure we're not making claims we shouldn't be making. So he's like, he's right. like, and he's like, I don't want this to be melatonin ice cream. Like, this isn't, this isn't ice cream we're selling to fix a sleep problem. This is ice cream for people who are going to eat ice cream at night anyway. Might as well give them something else to do. Um, we're not trying to be a nutraceutical. We're not trying to be a supplement. It's just sleep uh, ice cream that gets out of the way of good sleep. Sleep friendly is really sure. the idea. Sure. Um, and actually, as we were formulating it. You know, there actually are some ingredients there that might be sleep promoting. Not again. This isn't. You know, it's not edible ambient or anything. It's it's (laughs) it's just ice cream. Um, But it's but the idea is like okay, well, if there was gonna if it was gonna be high, the idea is that it's high protein, high fiber, which helps satisfy the cravings, but lower on fat and sugar, but doesn't taste that way. That still tastes good because it satisfies that craving. Um, And it turns out that when 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 choosing ingredients if they have if we had a choice between multiple things to put in it we would err on the side of the one that actually has some sleep data to support it that at least it's, it might be at least good for sleep or at least not harmful so that was sort of the process and um, yeah they launched and they're in a bunch of stores now all over that you can get them you can get them online they're growing i think There was some announcement that that there's some even like national chains are going to start picking it up, and it'll be interesting to see. I I think it's, I personally, I thought it was a great idea. I think. Yeah, well, the best nighttime snack is no nighttime snack because you probably yeah. your body probably doesn't need it. But if you're going to snack anyway, might as well have something that, that satisfies the craving but gets out of the way.
0: See, and this is an interesting conversation to have because, I mean, given the editorial that I just did about the guaranteed white noise machine <laughs> right, and blah, right. blah, garbage, um, yeah. and all of those things that are just irritants for me, um, I also want to get to you about what Shalina Kennedy just said a few minutes ago about mm-hmm. her routine but before we get to any of that of course I'm I'm required now by the format of the show to ask you the inevitable question how did you sleep
2: last night I actually actually slept great last night I mean good yeah I mean it's it's not it, that's not unusual for me but I, I did and and last night was yeah, a good night
0: I've asked you that question like 40 times now I think and <laughs> and I think there's been maybe twice Where you've you've had to cop to a bad night's sleep. So whatever it is you're doing is. And and it
2: happens, yeah. Like nobody sleeps perfectly every night, and and I think that's an important message too. Like sometimes I have a bad night's sleep because I'm a human. Um, It's just (laughs) the difference is is that like when I have a bad night's sleep, I sort of know what to do to keep one bad night from going to two. Like sometimes I get sick. Sometimes you know something hurts or like it's too hot or it's too cold or something and. You know, it happens. Or yeah. or or I remember how many months ago was it like, oh, there's a fire up, a wildfire up the road. Remember that?
0: I remember that. Um,
2: that wasn't the best night.
0: You were um, choking on smoke while we were doing the episode. <laughs> I felt awful for making you finish the interview. You know, but I mean, no, for but someone yeah. like you, if you, the the fact that you have uh, the occasional bad night is, is almost reassuring in a way. Yeah. You know, like, like it's not like, you know. The the day that uh, Anthony Fauci gets COVID, like the whole all of the wisdom about masks and vaccines and stuff, that just takes yeah. a tumble. You know, I mean, uh,
2: but he's he's allowed to catch a cold too. He absolutely is. You know? Yeah, it's, I mean it's, it's okay. It's okay. Like if you if you have the greatest diet in the world, you know, it's okay to like have a pizza once. Yeah, you know, like it's that's you don't have, the thing about sleep is it's similar to diet where sleep doesn't have to be perfect to be perfectly fine yep um and I have a and, friend in uh, the nutrition
0: world who used to talk about that yeah. that exact scenario I, he would talk about how let's say you're eating five five times a day you're eating three meals and two snacks a day okay great so he says now picture that volume of food if you had to take that food and put it in a bucket so there's that food in a bucket now you got a whole week you got seven of these buckets full of food and dump them in the corner somewhere where you can see this massive pile of food that you've eaten over the course of a week and it's all super healthy and all good and all blah 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 blah. and in there throw uh, three or four slices of pizza and get a visual in your head of how the three or four slices of pizza doesn't negate all of right. the other stuff that you're staring at, it's just something that's in there in the course of it. You know, just because you had four slices of pizza doesn't going to mean you're going to wake up 250 pounds heavier the next day. It's just, you know, right. like big picture, you're fine. Right. Have right. some it's pizza, context. have some ice cream, you know, yeah, whatever if we were, it ends up being If, if we you.
2: were that fragile, um, evolution would have figured out a way around that a long time ago. Um, the yeah. truth is we're pretty adaptable. Um, so yeah, I mean... Bad nights sometimes happen. Uh, the, the, thing, the difference is that like I, I don't like I have things that I do, but I don't I don't have I mean, people ask me, like, well what mattress do you sleep on like I, I don't I, I wouldn't mind saying, but it's not because I think it's the best mattress in the world. It's just it works fine for me, but like I could probably sleep on lots of different kinds of mattresses because I'm, I might not be as sensitive to it as other people may be, and that's okay.
0: Interesting. Um, And and this conversation as well, even about ice cream and pizza and all these (laughs) things, I mean, it's instructive, right? Because it kind of gets into this conversation that I just had with Shalina, which flows through this whole thing of what the second season of this show is about. I mean, the first season was from people like you and Adrian Owen and Seema Kosla and Spencer Dawson and the rest of them. I'm learning as much as I can about sleep, so I've got a solid Baseline of knowledge. I, I will never know as much. You could forget everything you've ever learned about sleep, and you'll still know ten times more than I do. Um, but I've got a baseline, and so yeah. now it's go forth and whether it's SEMA, uh, whether it's uh, Shalina Kennedy this week or a couple of weeks from now, Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett or a couple of weeks down the road. Uh, like the, the the guest list going forward is kind of interesting. Buckle in; it's going to be, be a fun cool. ride. But they all have sleep hacks that they fall back on and so now I'm gonna go and try those things myself for a couple weeks and see what things make a difference so knowing as I do now that there's not one answer that works for everybody thank you very much guaranteed sleep white noise machine people (laughs) um, I'm interested to see what different people's recommendations do for me knowing that there's not one magic bullet. So we talk about what Shalina Kennedy talked about with this thing that she does about getting grounded and and it's almost like this meditative process that she goes through of, of closing her eyes and thinking about relaxing each body part individually and all that stuff that she does. From your perspective as sleep mm-hmm. science guy, yeah. where's the science on that? Because not just that, but whether it's pillows, mattresses, lavender, blah, 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 all these different things that product wise or process wise seem to be focused around getting comfortable and peaceful. Yeah. Where does all that rank in terms of its efficacy as a treatment for a sleep disorder?
2: So first I want to say that the that the description of that I think um, if I were going to design a wind down, sort of mental exercise, I don't know that I could make a better one. Um, I, think, I, I, I think, and I'm gonna talk in a second about why all those elements are great. Um, that aside, you, you bring up an interesting point about the real difference between something that's relaxing and something that's sleep inducing. And a lot of people confuse the two. Where sometimes, something that's relaxing can be sleep inducing. If the arousal that you're that you're trying to relax from was the barrier to sleep, um, and in those cases, relaxing things are good, but the the scientific data is pretty clear that relaxation is an important ingredient, but not the only ingredient. And there are a lot of people who do all kinds of relaxing things, and it doesn't change their sleep at all. Um, so, so the relaxation element is is important but not sleep. Relaxation and sleep are two very different things. So like there's, for example, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that you can do to relax. And if you did them, your sleep may not change at all. Because relaxation, you know, maybe you weren't relaxed and now you're more relaxed, but you still have mental activity going on and you still have something else that's getting in the way of sleep, which is why relaxation on its own statistically does not seem to fix insomnia problems. Is that but, also
0: part of where people come at uh, things like red wine? Oh, I have a glass of red wine before bed. It knocks me out because I get so relaxed. Well, no, hold on. That's a bad road to go down because <laughs> it's going to mess with your sleep architecture.
2: Right, right. So it's it's they, people's perceptions of what the barrier is is some, are sometimes incomplete. So you'll see this a lot in the supplement space where people, things that are meant to, that are sold as sleep aids might be somewhat relaxing, but they might not statistically do anything to sleep unless... In your particular case, that was the barrier. So if it is and it helps, great. Um, if not, don't be too discouraged that that might not have been the problem. Um, because there's all kinds of other things like where you can be totally relaxed, get into bed, and your mind still won't slow down because it got trained to because of, because of the conditioned arousal and all that other stuff. So that there's, with that caveat that relaxation is not sleep induction, it's part of the process, but it's not, it's not the same thing. Um, that said, relaxation is usually very important. There's also a big difference between relaxation and distraction. Distraction is a different technique, sometimes very helpful. But um, like watching TV is distracting, not relaxing. Sure. And, and that's, it's, relaxation is an active process. So the, this thing that, that you were describing that had a couple components to it. First of all, it had a detaching component. Um, it had a, a mindfulness component. Uh, it had a progressive relaxation component, which is where you go through different areas of your body. And it also had an imagery component. Um, those are fantastic, sep- separately and combined. So I'll go through each one. So first is the detaching. Um, this is extremely important for people who are stuck in their day and are having trouble getting out of it into sure. into the night. and the Ruminating having-
0: over everything that happened all day long? Exactly,
2: and yeah. so and so having a process by which you um, you can remove yourself from the day can help set you up for for success later. I mean, it's it's silly, but it's sort of there's a ritual element in it as well, and and so it's like if you um, you know the ritual can be very powerful. You know, there there you can do things in a ritual that you can't do physically. So like if you want to um, you know so it's like lighting a candle and saying a prayer for somebody I mean there's there's the prayer itself that, that there that 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 people may believe may have unique thing, but lighting the candle itself doesn't do anything um, to the person, but it symbolizes something for you and sure. that has power in and of itself. you can do a thing you, you can't you can't make yourself do a thing, but you can do the ritual which can tap into that ability. So having the ritual of the detaching from the day actually has power in and of itself. So then you get the mindfulness component. And mindfulness is, I think, something that's very misunderstood. Um, it's a very, it's could be a buzzword. Um, but what mindfulness at its core is, is its awareness. It's that there's so much going on in our own heads that we're not even paying attention to but it can drive us. And what mindfulness is, its at its core, it, it's being aware of what, what's going on. Like, where am I? And who else is in this mental room with me? And what are they saying? And what are they doing? Without even trying to change anything, it's just becoming aware. And that awareness has power. Um, and then there's, there's skills involved in terms of once you become aware, you can start intervening on things you didn't even know were going on in the background, but be, until you became aware of them. But the mindfulness component of just uh, of of being in your own head and actually without judging, without trying to over control it at first, um, just becoming aware of where your mind is, um, can be. There's actually all kinds of data on mindfulness and sleep because a lot of people get into their get into bed, their mind. They say their mind, their mind's racing, but they can't even really think about what they're thinking about. They don't really even know what's going on. It's it's outside their awareness. So gaining mm-hmm. that awareness can be powerful. The next element is the progressive relaxation. So, I don't know if anyone's talked about this on the show before. Has anyone talked about progressive muscle relaxation? No. Okay, not
0: a word so, so far.
2: Okay, so um, progressive muscle relaxation is a specific technique that was developed decades ago. I mean, what was it in the '30s, the '50s? I don't know. Before my time, and text- not necessarily pro- before
0: mine, though. I thanks for pointing that out.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh. So the way, what progressive muscle relaxation is at its core, and and what you're talking about is a variation of it, which is good, but what the core progressive muscle relaxation is um, is you go through each muscle group and you you start with your toes, your your right toes and then your left toes and your right calf and your left calf. And then you, you go through each muscle group in your body and you tighten it and then you relax it. And then you tighten it and then you relax it. Then you move on to the next muscle group. And if you're doing this by the book, what you would do is when you tighten it, you tighten it as much as you can, like to to discomfort, and you want to feel the tightness, feel how that tightness in those muscles radiates around your whole body, feel what those muscles feel like when they're tight, and then you relax them. And then you feel the relaxation, feel what those muscles feel like relaxed, feel the relaxation like radiating throughout your body and how that's different from the tension. And then you tense it again. You always have, you're supposed to always do it twice if you're doing it by the book. Because then you're, you're, you're reintroducing that contrast. Then you go through. It takes a while, actually. Um, and it's a great exercise because your mind is actually very active if you're doing it properly. It's actually a mental exercise as well because you're, you're focusing on the muscles and you're tightening them. And then you're relaxing them. And then you're feeling the thing. And you're doing all It's very mentally active. So by the end of this, if, you do, if you're doing a, a by-the-book progressive muscle relaxation, it could take 20, 30 minutes to get through a whole body. And at the end of it, you are exhausted. You've just tensed every muscle in your body, relaxed every muscle in your body, you, and, and mentally you've gone through this whole exercise. So at the end of it, you, are me- you, you haven't thought about your worries or fears or the next day or your to-do list for the last half an hour. You've had something else to do that has contributed to this whole body relaxation. And it's actually a very powerful um, relaxation technique. It's like a sledgehammer for relaxation. It takes a lot of effort, even takes some practice to get it right. But, uh, and you can look for progressive muscle relaxation scripts online. and stuff. Some of them are abbreviated because nobody really wants to do the whole thing. Sure. But it can be very powerful. It's funny and that then, you bring this up because yeah. we
0: do something similar with my now almost three-year-old um, we've we've started her on this and we've been doing it for a few months now and it's something that we picked up from this partnership now that Sesame Street has with Headspace, the, mm. the meditation app yeah. where I think if I remember the episode correctly and it's just like a short little thing that shows up as part of the episode where Andy, you know, the British guy from Headspace that walks you through all these different <laughs> things he shows up with Grover and he teaches Grover how to do an exercise called "Good Night Body," mm. and it's yep. the same thing. They're, they don't get as far into the tensing of the muscles and the relaxation. But yeah. what he teaches Grover, you know, and Grover, Grover takes a few minutes to learn things. That, um, that, but that,
2: the way better I could do.
0: Um, they they do one. the toes and they do then the feet and then they do the legs and the calves and then the, and he works his way all the way up. And then by the time it's over, you've said good night to your body and you're ready for bed. It's we've, yeah. you know, Sesame Street kind of came up with the three-year-old version of what you're describing, yeah. but it's better to get them started on that stuff early. Exactly. And then it's easier to advance their knowledge of it and then get into the tensing and relaxing stuff when they're old enough to understand what's going on.
2: Exactly. So this whole idea that that's where the progressive part of it comes in. You start one and you move your way through. Um, when you do it with the muscle relaxation, it also teaches you what your muscles feel like when they're tense and relaxed. Because a lot of people tense up and they walk around the day with all this tension and they get headaches and stuff. And then but when they get used to feeling what it feels it's like, oh my shoulders oh. are up here.
0: The most the most common one and the one that I catch myself doing all the time and if you're sitting either watching or listening to this right now without stopping and taking credit for it in advance. Is your tongue pressed against the roof of your mouth right now? Right. Probably yes. That's because most people do that most of the time. And that that's tension inducing. It's not a whole ton of tension because, you know, it's just your tongue against the roof of your mouth. But think about it for a second. Your tongue doesn't naturally press against the roof (laughs) of your mouth. That's you (laughs) doing something, you know? And if you just sometimes for me that's enough. If I stop and I go, oh, I, that's happening. And then I just yep. let it fall.
2: Exactly. And that's it teaches you sometime. to start noticing those things. You have the tongue. Yeah. You have jaw is another one. People tighten a lot. The, 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 the Where's your hand? Is it in the fist or is it is it open? Mm-hmm. Um, are your forehead muscles relaxed? So all these things we carry around with us. So, so yeah, this progressive. Uh, the, so when you do it without um, uh, tensing, relaxing, sometimes I'll call that a body scan where you're at least noticing what's happening. And it's a mindfulness exercise where you're just noticing what's happening there and, if, and you relax it if you want to. So that, it's, it's a great exercise. There's, there's tons of data. It's probably, my guess is it's the most scientifically supported relaxation technique um, out there. And, and actually, a lot of the behavioral treatments for insomnia came out of the people doing research on some of these back in the day. Um, but, any, but so yeah, so that, that element of it is great because it, it takes you through your whole body and it helps you find where that tension was. Um, and then the other element is the imagery. Um, like the, the, the visualized imagery, the relaxing imagery, there's actually good data on imagery as well. Um, and it's especially really good for people who have trouble getting, um, who are sort of stuck in their body. So this is sort of a good rule of thumb I use in, in my clinic is if you've got somebody who's stuck in their head Get them into their body, like with a muscle relaxation exercise or something, because you can talk yourself in or out of any sort of meditation thing you're doing. If you're so in your head that you're out of control and you can't control what's going on in your head, a meditation exercise off the bat, you, maybe you're not ready for, or, or you're not going to be, you're, you're going to hold yourself up to a higher standard that you'll be able to reach. But get into your body, do stretches. Like, but I don't want to. It's like, well, that's something you have con- you can't control what's going on up here, but you can control what's going on down here. Do yoga, do a breathing exercise, do a muscle relaxation. If you're someone who's sort of stuck in your body and you're holding tension and or you're, or you're uncomfortable um, and you want to relax, get into your mind. Um, and when you're doing an, a visual imagery, what will happen is that feeds back through your body. It slows down your breathing. It, it, it improves gas exchange, it causes endorphin release. All these other things you can't consciously do, but you can do it through that. Um, Just like the ritual, the power of the ritual, it taps into a physical capability you have. It's not fake. It's just you don't have conscious control over it. But it doesn't mean you have no control. And the imagery is a way of gaining control over aspects of your body you can't consciously control but you can do it through the imagery. You will notice if you do it right, your breathing slows, your heart rate will slow, your muscles will relax, um, things like that. So that's why I think it's a great, it's a great combination of, of the detaching, the mindfulness, the progressive physical relaxation, and the imagery for, for the mental
0: so many times when people come up with things that they do in their life, you know, on a day-to-day basis, um, they just kind of do them because they work for them, but I'm going to make sure that Shalina sees this moment in <laughs> in our conversation because there's there's this magical moment of finding out that a thing that you stumbled on that works for you is actually supported by science. I'm sure right. she'll be uh, gratified to find that out. Um, and listen, I'm always gratified when you've got time to, to pop into the show and say hello. I, I It's a treat every time and I'm looking forward to as different people give me their hacks, bouncing stuff off of you to get the science behind why they do or don't work for various people. So, Michael, thank you again.
2: You're very welcome. Very welcome. Anytime.
0: Let's go have ice cream. Wow, you're still here? Hey, thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for being part of episode number two of season number two of the Snooze Button podcast and we're on YouTube now. We're all over the place, so thanks. You go to our website at thesnoozebutton.com you'll find all the ways to watch and listen. You'll find ways to rate, review, support the show. You get the entire archive of all the 50 some odd episodes that came before this one and places as well to let us know what you think of what we're doing and how we could do it just a little bit better next week on the show the art of the nap oh i'm so excited about next week's episode and dr chris winter will be here as well on next week's show then the week after congresswoman stacy plaskett will be here to answer the question how do you fall asleep the night before you put a president on trial back here next week for more my name is neil headley until then hey Get some sleep, would you?